Hosea and Jeremiah. Hosea and Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3. And then Hosea chapter number 10. Jeremiah 4, Hosea 10. Jeremiah 4 and verse number 3. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Fallow ground, hard ground. Ground that's been sitting for too long. Break up your fallow ground. And then in Hosea chapter 12 and verse, excuse me, chapter 10 and verse 12, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. That fallow ground, every spring we have to get out the rototiller, and if we waited too many years, we'd probably have to have a disc uh, or a plow to tear up the soil and to turn over the soil because it gets fallow. I was reading just this morning on a devotional called The Comfortable Church by uh, the late Henry Morris, and he, he read from Revelation 3.17, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and, yet, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. This is the heart of Christ's rebuke of that church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. They thought that they didn't have any problem or have any need. And that's probably the worst case and the worst state you can get in. That's why we sang that song, Lord, I need you. Because when we don't think we need the Lord, that's probably when we do. And uh, we need to recognize that it's real easy for our heart, which is the ground. The Bible says that the heart is the soil. And the Bible tells us that it needs to be broken up. And I just sang the song, Lord, break my heart, if that's what's in your plans. How many of you enjoy a broken heart? Can I see your hands? Not one person raised their hand. I don't like it either. I de despise a broken heart. I'm going to tell you something, though. There's the other side of me, the saved, born-again side of me, that knows that is a good thing. In fact, the Bible says the Lord doesn't despise and actually indicates that he loves those with a broken heart. And what we need is we need our, our ground broken. Why? Well, I know that we've got some gardeners in here. Why do you need the ground broken? Because it doesn't, it doesn't produce anything. It's not soft. It won't grow anything if it isn't broken. And that's why we need God and we need to pray for God to rototill our heart. We, we don't necessarily want to pray those prayers. We usually pray for the opposite. But you know, God has ways of, of breaking up the fallow ground. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God breaks us up. Hebrews 4, 12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let me tell you something. Going to church is a good thing. 
Because, of course, if it's a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, you're going to hear the Word of God. And being with other Christians, you're going to hear and be reminded of the Word of God. You hear letters that are written uh, by people who believe in the Word of God, and they include the Word of God when they give their, their report. The Bible tells us that the word itself, it itself, is something that will break up that fallow ground. We need God's word. I asked this in Sunday school. I'll ask it now, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to think about it. How many of you read your Bible every day or read it this week? Do you read the word of God? Listen, it breaks up the fallow ground when you stop, not just read it to check it off a list, and I know that's something that we do to try to keep up with it, but to read it, but to let it speak to us and to remind us of things. If you're like me, you read something this week you forgot about. I, I even had it marked in my Bible. I had it underlined. But when I turned the page, I had forgotten it was there until I read it again. We need, why? Because here's what I know. I'm married to a gardener. And even though I rototilled back in April, she told me I still need to have the smaller tiller ready for May and June and July. Because even though the whole thing got turned over and rototilled, even with the plants starting to come up, she still wants to keep rototilling. See, I can't tell my, look, dear, I rototilled in April. Why are we doing it again? Because that ground gets what again? It gets hard again. It doesn't stay soft. It gets hardened. And then when the rains come, instead of running into the soil, it runs across the top of the soil and drains off into our neighbor's yard. And so the word of God is a constant. And that's why, that's why we need to be reading it every day. And how many of you have ever gone to church and had it preached to you? And you're like, good grief, I read that yesterday and I didn't see what he's preaching on it today. You know why? Because there was a spot you missed. And so the preacher is there to rototill some more. And the word of God is there to break up the fallow ground. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, the word of God breaks the rock in pieces. It's like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. God's word is the, has the ability to bust up that hardness and that rock, and that rocky soil. Look with me over in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It's good to know the scriptures from a child. These young people in here... Some of them have an advantage over some of you adults because they are in church hearing the word of God and getting saved at a young age. That's a blessing. But let me ask you a question. Once you get saved, is that it? Because look what the next verse says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's teaching. Reproof. Ooh. Reproof. Why do we need reproof? Because we don't stay correct all week, do we? And so the word of God is there to reprove us for correction, to get us back on track and for instruction in righteousness to keep us on track. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, 
throughly furnished unto all good works. The more you get into the word of God, the more you allow it to get into you, it will keep you from the error and from the, the, the false way and, and getting off the path and your, your hard, heart getting hardened. And why is that necessary? Because chapter four, it says you're going to preach the word. Be instant. And, and in season, out of season. Because verse 3, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. The word of God has to continually saturate our minds and our hearts. Um, I'm selling some of my son's books on eBay right now. He, he left them behind to be sold. And they're engineering books. And uh, I said, you sure you don't? No, I'm never going to use that one again. No, I'm never going to use that one. Yeah, but look how much you paid for this thing. I mean, hundreds of dollars, some of them. No, I'm not going to use it again. Uh, I got my diploma. I'm only going to be using this, this, and this, and I'm, this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. You know, and I, I've got a diploma. It's laying under a, a bunch of dust somewhere. It's from a Bible college, and it's a Bible college diploma. Guess what? It really, truly means nothing. Because if I point to that diploma and say, Delmer, you got a diploma from a Bible college? And he says, no. And I say, don't argue with me then. Is that how it works? No. You see, it doesn't matter what, what degree says I are smart. It's everyday Bible knowledge. It's constant learning. And I, I've said it before. I've, I learned a lot more from the Bible since my time in Bible college. And we, know, we don't ever graduate from Bible. We don't ever, we don't ever say, well, I, I went to Anchor Club and I went to Sunday school and I've been in church for years, so I can just coast now. It doesn't work that way. Because what happens? The ground gets hard. The ground gets hard. I've met former pastors who no longer are preachers. And they have that very attitude. And they come to church and they'll say... He's preaching to them. Boy, Matt, I hope you're listening because the pastor's preaching to you. He's preaching to Jeff. He's preaching to Cindy. He's preaching to Frank. But I went to Bible college. That don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Do you know that? There's, there's never a time where I'm open, oh, got the word of God open on my lap that I don't need it preached to me. I, I was at other churches this week hearing preaching yesterday and Monday, Tuesday. A week from tomorrow, I'll go and, and go to another meeting and hear preaching at that meeting in two different places, two different churches. Uh, why? I need preach too. I need the word of God preached to me. I need to read it and, and know it. Listen, why? Because I've got to give it out to someone else. We're living in a day where people are getting off into error. And we know it's error, but we're not able to tell them why. Because we're not reading and remembering and studying the word of God. Some of us, I think some of us in here, we're afraid to, to, to witness. We're afraid to soul in, to share the gospel because we know we don't know it all. And we're, gonna, we're afraid we're gonna for, I'm going to forget it. Listen to me. First of all, the Holy Spirit is an amazing rememberer. There's been times where I knew, I knew going into a conversation, I didn't have all my ducks in a row. I didn't have my file folder with all my info. But the Holy Spirit re-brought it back up, something that I had remembered, and he just pulled it out for me. Number two, if you come to a conversation where you're not very equipped and you kind of feel like you didn't give adequate answers, can I tell you what, though? You know what else that'll do? It'll spark you and motivate you to get back into the Bible and say, I need to read more. 
I need to study more. I would, I would venture to say this. The students of the Bible are the ones who are trying to share the Bible. Because if, if you don't ever share it, then you're not going to study it. Because what's the point? What's the motive? You know what motivated me to really dig into some answers? I'd go for years to the juvenile center and I'd get teenagers asking me questions. Teenagers don't care what kind of questions they ask. Teenagers aren't afraid to ask you hard questions or embarrassed. And teenagers ask what they think. And they ask good questions. And I love fielding questions because I usually learn when I field questions. Listen to me. The word of God is there to break up our heart. And you might say, well, I know it. Nobody in here can quote it from front to back. And even if someone stood up and started in Genesis and quoted all the way to the Revelation, it still doesn't mean you got it all down. And so God's word is so essential. I hope we already have 2,021 calendars with a Bible reading schedule in them. We already have them. They're going to be handed out at the end of the year. We already have them ready to go. But I hope that you are already reading the word of God on a daily basis. Letting it saturate your mind. Letting it fill your mind and, and your heart. I was with my father. I drove with him on Friday to a football game. And we talked for several hours as we were driving. And he, he said, you know, there are some things that all of a sudden I can just quote scripture. And he's so excited because he's got Alzheimer's. He's starting to get Alzheimer's. He said, but there's, I, I, all of a sudden it's this there and I can quote it. And he's excited about it. You know why it's there? He put it in there. He read it earlier. And now it's coming back. Listen, I promise you, you read it, you memorize it, you study it, you learn it. And then when it's time to use it, the Holy Spirit will help you find it and bring it out. Listen to me. Our hearts get hard because we get away from the word of God. We let somebody else do the studying. We let somebody else do the reading. And we need to let the word of God itself work on our hearts. Now, not only does the word of God do this, but the spirit of God. In Acts chapter number nine, it's the story of the apostle Paul when he was still Saul. And Saul was an unsaved man who hated the Christians and was trying to persecute and destroy and defeat anything that had to do with Christianity. And the apostle Paul was not yet saved. And this man, Saul, was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against them in chapter nine. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ met him on the road to Damascus and cried out, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? In verse 4. And Saul, in verse 5, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And verse 5, the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But notice the end here. It says, It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. The Spirit of God has pricks. You know what was happening to Saul? I think, I think we can say this without changing anything or stretching the Bible. If you go back to chapter 7, you'll see that a guy named Stephen preached a huge, a whole chapter long sermon. And it, it, the sermon lasted a whole chapter. And he went through the entire history of the Hebrew people and reminded them of what God had done. And at the end, they were so angry at him for telling them the truth and telling them that they were guilty of killing Jesus Christ and the, and the Messiah and yet telling them that they could be forgiven. And when he died, they took great big stones and they just smashed him and they smashed his body and they crushed his skull. They destroyed his body. But as he died, he said, I see him. I see him. 
And you know who was standing there? This Saul guy holding all the coats of everybody that was doing it. You think that that image left him? No, because that was chapter 7. That was chapter 8. He's just trying to destroy these people. He's trying to erase their memory from his memory. Chapter 9, Jesus says, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks, isn't it? Listen to me. The Holy Spirit has ways of pricking our heart. We need the Holy Spirit to prick us. Listen, if you witnessed and you share the gospel with a, a friend or a loved one, and they stomp out of the house and say, I hate your God. I hate your religion. Don't ever talk to me about it again. They slam the door and they drive off. That does not mean that God can't follow them. And the spirit of God can't lead someone else along the way. Imagine someone over in, I don't know, New Jersey. And they're just angry at God and everything about God. <laughs> And they come out here in South Dakota to get away from everybody. And they hear this bikers thing's got this bike week going on. And they're going to have a good time and just party hardy. And they walk around the corner and Custer. And they go down the side street. And somebody sticks the gospel right in their face. And everything they had a conversation back in New Jersey just comes right back to haunt them and pricks their heart again. That's what the Spirit of God does. Just uses dumb people like us to get it done. But it's the Spirit of God. God has ways. And the Spirit of God can break us into. And Jesus said, Saul, it's, it's getting hard to kick against the jabs, isn't it? It's hard. You're fighting it. I do believe that God wants to break up the hard hearts of the unsaved, don't you? And the Spirit of God pricks at our hearts. Now, he doesn't just pricks at the heart of the unsaved. I think he pricks at our hearts. I think that God speaks to us and, and, and talks to us and maybe, maybe there's someone that is saying, you know, I just think I've got it rough and I've got a pretty good excuse for why I shouldn't be doing it anymore. And I, I, I know that they've got that thing going on on Wednesdays and putting scripture in. And then those kids come in and, and uh, boy, that one kid, it, every time I see him, it looks like he's going to sneeze right on my, right on me. I don't want to go sit with a kid and get germs from him and and uh and besides i once in a while i just don't feel very good and i get a little ache or a pain here or there and and then about that time you you get a letter from tim watley who's got one eyeball that's been stung by a wasp and he's got major migraines and he's saying would you pray for us that we can still get this project done before the rain monsoon happens and the mudslides start and get a roof on the top of our roofs, the flat roof, so we can still preach the gospel from the roof? And uh, yeah, the pain doesn't always go away, but I'm able to work through the pain. And what does that do to you as you sit there and you go, uh, I guess my pain's not that bad. I guess my life's not that bad. Right? The Spirit of God uses these things in our life and and pricks our hearts and says you know you you could have dropped that in there for that person why don't you do that you know I, i've told you before and you've heard the story about our, our young mother who, who's not here on sunday mornings but somebody pricked that person's heart at the store that day to leave her a large tip now what was cool about that is is that the holy spirit saw her that morning saying, I don't believe there's a God. If there's a God, why is my life so messed up? I just, there's no God. And then she goes to work. And she's taking this lady's order and 
she gives her her food and no big conversations happening. She's just pleasantly giving her the food. And, but the lady leaves her a $250 tip with a really nice note that says, God loves you. I don't know why God wanted me to do this, but God loves you. God had me do this for a reason. God pricked that Christian lady to do that. And now he's pricking that unsaved lady to receive it. He's working behind the scenes. You know what's beautiful? It's beautiful to have a soft heart. Instead of walking in and saying, I'll see if the preacher can get to me today. Man, it should be the Holy Spirit already getting you today. On last Wednesday night, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. So I preached on, taught on first things first. We should just put God first. And, and Sunday's the first day of the week. And we talked about being in church on Sunday. It's the first day of the week. We talked about our tithes and offerings. It's the first fruits of our increase. And so the first 10% of, of, of our income goes to the Lord. And then, and then tithes and offerings. So offering on top of that, giving to missions. And, and, um, and then, you know, if you, if you have ought against a brother, you need to go first to him before you go and offer your gift to God because God won't be impressed. And there's just a lot of firsts, you know. Don't judge until you first take the beam out of your own eye. There's just a lot of first things first. And so we talked about that Wednesday night. And spent a lot of time talking about the tithes because that seems to be a big deal to a lot of us. You know, our treasure is where our heart is. After church, Wednesday night, this, this young single mother came up to me and she handed me a wad of cash. And, and the wrapped around the wad was a $100 bill. And she said, here, this is for Sunday. I said, oh. I said, oh, no, you shouldn't have. And I started to say, you shouldn't have. And the Holy Spirit said, shut up. You just told her to. So I went, you should. And I kind of stopped. And she said, I'm never here Sunday morning. You guys always take the offering on Sunday morning. She said, I try to use the online giving, but my phone won't let me do it. So before you preach that tonight, I knew I needed to be doing this. Here you go. Don't worry about it. You know what that is? That's a soft heart who says, I just love what God's doing in my life. You don't have to preach at them. They're already soft. They just, they just want to know what they're supposed to do. You don't have to rototill. They just want to know what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, the Holy Spirit encourages us along the way to Romans chapter number eight. Romans chapter number eight and verse number 26. Here's what it says. Romans eight twenty six. It says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. There are times when we don't even know exactly what to say. We just know that we need God. Lord, I need you. I don't even know exactly what I need. I just know I need you. But the Spirit is there to encourage us and help us with our infirmities when we don't even know how to pray. But here's what we do know, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You heard David say it. Now he's in junior church. He said, this song was something I needed 
and is reminded of as we went through a health issue with our son this past week. You know what? Sometimes God allows health to be a rototiller, to break up the fallow ground, and to work on us. Sometimes God allows tragedy to break our heart. Because he knows that when our heart is broken, we are fruitful again. And we are productive. And God has ways to soften us up. And so the sovereignty of God. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And as I was saying a minute ago about that young lady who handed me that wad on Wednesday night. And by the way, that wad is in the offering plate now. Her heart's already soft, but the, why? The goodness of God. She's, I'm just so, I'm so thankful. This is my favorite place to be. The goodness of God leads us. God's so good to me. I, I said I didn't believe in him anymore. And he sent me someone who dropped a great big tip to say, I still believe in you, kid. I still love you. I want you. The goodness of God. You know, it isn't always necessary that God's got to hammer us. Sometimes it's just his goodness that softens us. Have you ever just, and, and let me encourage you, because if you'll let the goodness of God soften you, you might not need a rototiller. You might not need a, the hammer. If you'll just stop and count your blessings, don't wait till Thanksgiving to count your blessings. Just look around and say, wow, look at how good. God. I mean, look at how God led my life and directed my path. If it wasn't for his goodness. Last week I posted a picture of my parents and their 50th anniversary and our, our family. And there were some comments from people such as what a legacy or what a blessing your family. And, I, and, the, and the commenter has family that's, that, does, that doesn't even ever get together for a picture. You know what I mean? And it stopped me in my tracks and, wow, it is a blessing. Just those simple things. And the, the things in our life that we just take for granted so often, so many times. And so sometimes it's just the sovereignty, not just the word of God, the spirit of God, but the, his sovereignty, just how good he is to us. And notice this in Psalm 34 and Psalm 51. These are great verses. Psalm 34 Psalm 34, and then Psalm 51. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them, near unto them, that are of a broken heart, and save with such as be of a contrite spirit. I asked you earlier, how many of you enjoy a broken heart? Nobody raised your hand. But can I tell you something? I enjoy what can come from a broken heart. I enjoy having God near when my heart's broken. I enjoy the rescue that he brings. Psalm 51, verse 17. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices. Verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. King David here could have offered a million animals to God as a sacrifice. And he said, but I know that's not what you want. 
Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. He doesn't despise a broken heart. The world does. The world thinks when you have a broken heart, you're defeated. No. God wants you, God has you right where he wants you when, when your heart is so broken and soft before him. Because when your broken, fallow ground is finally tilled up, now there's the ability to do what point number four is, fruit. There's no fruit until the ground is broken up. Philippians 1.11 says, Be filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. In Sunday school, I was talking about Moses and how at age 40, Moses tried to be the leader of his people. And God did not approve of it and did not bless it. And Moses ran and, and hid in the desert for 40 years. And so then when he was 80 years old and there wasn't any idea of a human ability on his part at age 80 to deliver God's people, God comes to him and says, all right, Moses, now I want to use you. God will let that ground get all rototilled. And Moses was so humble, he said, I don't even think I can speak well. How? I don't think you got the right guy. God says, I've got the right guy. I just needed your heart tilled up. Well, that's me. In my flesh, we sang that song today, the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. My flesh, my ability, my energy, we're going to do it. You know what? That's an admirable as an American, but it doesn't really work very well with God. What God wants is our heart to be broken and humble and say, God, I need you to do it. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. How many of you have all the love you need right now? How many of you have so much joy you don't want anymore? How many of you have so much peace you don't want anymore? Long-suffering, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith. That's the fruit of the Spirit. You know what hard hearts have? A lack of. They don't have it. There isn't that love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith. They don't have that. Hard hearts they lose it. And the fruit of the Spirit is cultivated through that softened heart and that softened soil. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 15, let us offer the fruit of our lips giving thanks and praise to his name with thanksgiving. When your heart is soft, you can praise him. When your heart has been rototilled and you are no longer hard-hearted, you can give thanks and praise him and give praise where praise is due. And there's no fruit until that heart is broken, until that ground's broken. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. There's no soul winning going on. There's no, no one's getting saved until the heart is soft and tender and broken. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, you abide in me, 
that you can bear much fruit. And then verse 16 of John 15, it says, and your fruit will remain. Fruit that remains has to come from good soil. And it all comes from having this fallow ground broken up. If you're like me, and you probably are, we all tend to think, well, I, I've been there, done that. Yeah, I, I used to not know that, but I know that now. And now I, I graduated. I, I, I are smart. When it comes to the Bible, I've been around the block, and I've, been, I, I've had a lot of pastors, a lot of teachers, and I've been in different churches, and there's nothing you can tell me I don't know. That's not the problem, friend. It's our heart. It's the soil. It's having fallow ground. It isn't, it isn't we don't know it. But our heart is hard. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. So it says there in Hosea chapter 10, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. I can ask this to the, the gardeners in here. If we get a whole bunch of rain this week, and it would be nice, but if that ground is hard, kind of wasted it, didn't we? What's the proper order? Bust it up first so that when the rain comes, it gets down in. Are you preparing for rain? Well, I don't think he's going to rain anything on me. Well, he's probably looking down and saying, they don't have anything rototilled. Why should I send the rain? They don't, they don't seem to want the word of God very much. They hardly are ever there when it's being preached. They never hardly pick it up. Why should I be sending rain? It's time to seek the Lord. It's time for, for our heart to be softened and rototilled and ask God, please rototill us and turn us over and get us worked up. Because we believe you can send the rain. We believe that you want to. But maybe the problem is we're not preparing for rain. Heard the story of two farmers. Both of them were praying for rain, but only one of them was rototilling. Only one of them was disking his soil. Which one was preparing for rain? Just the one that was doing that. You can pray for rain, but you know what? It could be that God's waiting on us to let that heart get soft. To get worked over and worked up. Are you preparing for his rain? Are you allowing him to break your heart? Break it up, bust it up, soften it up as only he can. Let's bow our heads for a moment.